Happy Easter, family. It's good to be with you. Um, we, um, we just want to remind you of a few things. Don't forget, um, Monday through Thursday, 8 a.m., we uh, have notes from the pastor's desk. Um, tomorrow evening at 6 o'clock, we have our teaching on Galatians. And uh, it's been a big week. We've uh, we had our four sessions in the morning of a cup of coffee and sharing uh, scripture and and a little bit of time in prayer together. And then we had the Monday night Galatians class this last week. And then uh, a lot of people joined us for the Good Friday time together where we had communion. And now we're having Easter Easter Sunday. So uh, four, five, six, seven times we've uh, kind of preached this week. And uh, I just love it. I enjoy being busy in the Word and enjoy having time together with you. And So let's start out this Easter Sunday with a time in prayer together. Father, we want to thank you once again for this glorious day that represents, Father, everything that we are today, our Christianity, our salvation, our way of life. Father, we thank you that Jesus Christ was willing to pay that price and die and give his life on the cross we thank you father that you didn't leave him in that grave but you raised him from the dead we thank you that he was seen by more than 500 people before he ascended and is seated at your right hand and is making intercession for us even as we're preaching this message today we thank you that for that father in jesus mighty name we pray want to get directly into the word today we're going to uh we're going to minister on a subject today that the likes of which I've never, I've never preached a message that I can recall uh, about feelings. Never have. I know that we're not saved by feelings, we're saved by faith, but I've always said that it feels good to feel good. And uh, I've been touched by the presence of the Holy Spirit in my lifetime more times than I can count. And I can tell you, for those of you who felt that before, it feels good and you remember it. Can you say amen? So the title of the message is Feelings You Remember. I want you to grab your Bibles. Turn in your Bible to Matthew chapter 28, and we're going to live for a little bit in the first 10 verses of Matthew chapter 28 and uh, share the Easter story, uh, is what we call it, the Easter story with you. And we're going to explore this subject of feelings you remember. Matthew chapter 28, verses 1 through 10. Now, after the Sabbath... Toward the dawn of the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to see the tomb. And behold, there was a great earthquake, for an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone and sat on it. His appearance was like lightning, and his clothing white as snow. And for fear of him, the guards trembled and became like dead men. But the angel said to the women, Do not be afraid, for I know that you seek Jesus who is crucified. He is not here. For he is risen, as he said, Come see the place where he lay. Then go quickly and tell the disciples that he has risen from the dead, and behold, he is going before you to Galilee. There you will see him. See, I have told you. Verse 8, So they departed quickly from the tomb with fear and great joy and ran to tell his disciples. And behold, Jesus met them and said, Greetings. And they came up and took hold of his feet and worshipped him. Then Jesus said to them, Do not be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee, and there they will see me. This sermon reminds us that maybe we should revisit the empty tomb every Sunday and remember the wonder of it all. The early disciples witnessed the presence of Jesus Christ after the resurrection. 
They couldn't forget the open tomb and his pierced hands and his wounded side. His presence had a powerful and profound effect on them. The people who went to the tomb on that first Easter morning testified to the power of the resurrection. They were in awe and wonder. There was an author named Bill Moyer, and uh, in Bill Moyer's book, A World of Ideas, Part 2, Jacob Needleman remembers, I was an observer at the launch of Apollo 17 in 1975. It was a night launch, and there were hundreds of cynical reporters all over the lawn drinking beer, wisecracking, and waiting for this 35-story high rocket. The countdown came. And then the launch. The first thing you see is this extraordinary orange light, which is just at the limit of what you can bear to look at. Everything is illuminated with this light. Then comes this thing slowly rising in total silence because it takes a few seconds for the sound to come across. And then you hear this really loud whoosh and a really loud hmm. It enters right into you. You can practically hear jaws dropping. The sense of wonder fills everyone in the whole place at, as this thing goes up and up. The first stage ignites this beautiful blue flame. It becomes like a star, but you realize that there are humans on board. And then there's total silence. What do you think it would have been like to observe the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the grave? like these people witnessed Apollo 17 rising up from the earth. You know, I've often wondered, what if some entrepreneur had understood when Jesus said that he would rise from the dead? What if he sought an opportunity to make some money off this spectacular event? What if he set some bleachers in front of the tomb and charged people admission for watching? What if he advertised in the Jerusalem Chronicle and huge crowds showed up to watch? Do you think that they would have experienced something similar to what Jacob Needleman experienced at the Apollo 17 launch? My guess is the people would have arrived cynical, casual, and calloused. But then a resplendent light followed by a momentary silence before a deafening noise. Jesus would have stepped forth from the grave alive. Upon seeing Jesus come back alive from the grave, I suspect that the onlookers' eyes would have been as big as saucers. Their jaws would have dropped. A sense of wonder and ecstasy would have filled everyone watching. The feelings would never be forgotten. The resurrection of Jesus itself, listen carefully to this, the resurrection of Jesus itself is never described anywhere in the scripture, presumably because no one saw Jesus exit the tomb. Not a single person beheld the moment when Jesus burst from the grave, burst forth from the grave on that first Easter morning. No one witnessed the resurrection, but many have experienced it. Follow with me. No one can explain the resurrection, but many people feel its effects. First point I want to make this morning is the form of a question. Does the resurrection affect you? There's four groups of people that we know were affected uh, on that first Easter Sunday morning. First one was the earth. Uh, earth felt the effects. The very planet felt the effects. In Matthew chapter 28, verse 2, in the first part, it says, And behold, there was a great earthquake. It shook. It rocked. The ground quaked. The rocks erupted. The earth cracked. The olive trees in the garden waved uh, their limbs. Nature was roused. The earth trembled in sorrow at the crucifixion, but it leaped for joy 
at the resurrection. The quake attests to the cosmic significance of this event. Point two, under this first part, the angel felt the effects. In Matthew 28, verse 2, the latter part of verse 2, all the way through verse 3 says, For an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone and sat on it. And his appearance was like lightning and his clothing white as snow. You know, I kind of think of it like an action hero, a super action hero showing up on the scene in a Hollywood movie. Shafts of lightning blazed from this angel with his clothes shimmering like new fallen snow. He rolled away the stone not to let Jesus out, but to let the women in. The angel sat on the rock that had been rolled away, indicating the triumph of the completed work. The next group of people that felt the effects, the guards felt the effects. It says in Matthew 28, verse 4, And for fear of him, the guards trembled and became like dead men. They stood as corpses. They shook in their sandals longer than the ground. The ones keeping watch over the dead became as dead. They were scared stiff. And then the fourth point under this first part, the women felt the effects. In Matthew 28, verse 1, Now after the Sabbath, toward the dawn of the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to see the tomb. They came to anoint Jesus' body with spices and to give him a more appropriate embalming. En route, they were concerned about who's going to move the stone for us. On seeing the stone rolled away from the opening of the tomb and hearing the angel proclaim that Jesus was not present, that he had been raised, they were filled with wonder and joy. The good news of his resurrection became their message to share. Everyone present that day felt the effect of the resurrection. The whoosh and the loud hum went right through them. What effect does the resurrection have on you today and on me today? Point number two, does the resurrection move you? First, does it affect you? The second question is, does the resurrection move you? Can we really appreciate Easter? Can we really appreciate Easter and not be moved? And once we've been truly moved, can we still have the world as it was previously? When there is no pandemic, we want to come to church on Easter, sing some soul-stirring songs, eat lunch with our family and friends, hunt for some eggs with our children, and still have our world unrocked by the resurrection. We're amazingly well-adjusted to the same old world. I think this is why Matthew reminds us that the earth shook on that first Easter morning. Luke records Easter as a meal on Sunday evening with the risen Christ. The first account you have of Jesus after the resurrection in Luke records Easter as a meal on Sunday evening with the risen Christ. John recorded... John has the resurrected Jesus encountering Mag Mary Magdalene in the garden. But what about Matthew? What is significant in his account? Matthew 28 and 2 again. And behold, there was a great earthquake, for an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone and sat on it. Easter is an earthquake to Matthew. Easter is an earthquake with a stone rolled away from the tomb and a dead person walking the streets with a defiant angel sitting on a stone. It was a ruckus. Most of us in the sound of my voice have been in an earthquake before. It gets our attention. Easter is an earthquake that shook the world. It got everyone's attention. 
Now, listen to these next two sentences very carefully. On the cross, the world did all it could to Jesus. At Easter, God did all he could to the world. And the earth shook. You don't explain that. You experience. You experience it. You feel it. It goes right through you. In the 1950s, there was a devastating earthquake in the nation of China. As a result of the quake, a huge boulder was dislodged from a mountain, and it exposed a great cache of wonderful artifacts from a thousand years ago. It was a new-slash-old world become visible. When the stone was rolled away, that entombed Jesus, that entombed Jesus and the earth shook, we got our first glimpse of a whole new world. It's a world where death doesn't have the last word, where injustice is made right and innocent suffering is vindicated by the intrusion of a very powerful God. The soldiers shook, and not because the ground was shaking. The angel plopped himself down on the stone in one final act of impudent defiance of death. He said to the women, don't be afraid. You're looking for Jesus. He isn't here. Nobody went back the same way they came. Easter has that kind of moving effect on people. Does it have that kind of effect on us? If not, maybe we need to check our spiritual pulse. Maybe we've been living too long in the in-between time of Good Friday and Easter. Maybe it's time to see and feel the resurrection of Jesus all over again, fresh and new. Maybe it's time to let God shake our world. Maybe it's time to allow God to roll the stone away from our cold and hardened hearts to feel the love and the power of Jesus Christ. Third point, question, does the resurrection touch you? Easter not only moves us, it touches everything or it touches something deep down inside of us. We encounter God's wonder, that feeling of surprise and awe aroused by something, aroused by something strange and unexpected. It's what Mary Magdalene and the other Mary, when they learned that Jesus, is what they felt when they learned that Jesus had risen. Because in Matthew 28, verse 8, it says, They departed quickly from the tomb with fear and great joy, because they were astonished. They went to the tomb expecting to find a dead man in need of embalming. Instead, they found an empty tomb. Jesus was alive. The fact, while strange and unexpected, was wonderful and exciting. One can experience Easter. One can't experience Easter, in my opinion, without wonder. The trouble is that we don't feel wonder anymore. Wonder is rare, especially as we grow older. The catchphrase of our culture has been there and done that. We're spiritually and emotionally stretched. We're a people saturated with analysis, explanations, and experiences, but void of wonder. The author, G.K. Chesterton, wrote, The world will never starve for want of wonders, but only for the want of wonder itself. It's that wonder, it's that wonder and mystery of the resurrection that we should want. And once we've experienced it, the most expensive purchases we can make or the most thrilling experience we can ever or never can ever have can ever substitute for it. For when God touches you, you know it. You can't explain it. You can't experience it. You can you experience it. You can't explain it. You experience it. You feel it. It goes right through you. Uh, in the Chicken Soup for the Soul, Dan Millman tells a story of, of a little girl named Sachi 
When she was four years old, her baby brother was born. Little Sachi began to ask her parents to leave her alone with the new baby. They worried that like most four-year-olds, she might feel jealous and want to hit or shake him or harm him. So they said no. Over time, though, since Sachi wasn't showing signs of jealousy, they changed their minds and decided to let Sachi have her private conference with the baby. Elated, Sachi went into the baby's room and shut the door, but it opened a crack, enough for her curious parents to peek in and listen. They saw little Sachi walk quietly up to her baby brother, put her face close to his, and say, Baby, tell me what God feels like. I'm starting to forget. Is childlike wonder disappearing? Have we forgotten the implications of a man rising from the dead? Have we grown ashamed of the transcendence of a God who can conquer death? Are we so caught up in reality that we have no place for mystery in our lives? Have we become so religious that we've lost the wonder? Have we forgotten what it feels like to have God remove the darkness and coldness in our heart caused by sin so that the light of glory can invade our soul and set us free? Are we too starting to forget what God feels like? For me, there have been times when my childlike sense of wonder has faded. I get bogged down in duty and effort. The danger is that Easter becomes just another Sunday. I fear that in our culture, wonderless living has become the norm. How do we revive this sense of wonder? Wonder begins in the presence of Jesus, regardless of our geography or status or age where the Lord is present, that place is alive with wonder. As we become more aware of God's presence, we become more filled with wonder. Mary Magdalene and the other Mary felt it. It was the whoosh and the hum that went right through them. When they saw Jesus, their only response was to fall at his feet in worship. In Matthew 28, 17, in closing, it says, And when they saw him, they worshipped him. When you and I encounter the living Christ, our only response is to celebrate his presence. That's Easter. It's the presence of Jesus that moves us and touches us deeply. It's the rocking experience of Jesus' triumph and the relational experience of Jesus' presence. It becomes an experience to imagine that God will present in our lives to roll, will be present in our lives to roll the stone away from our hearts. Easter makes us want to fall at Jesus' feet in gratitude and praise for what he's done. That Lifespring family, that Lifespring family is something you don't explain and you never forget. You experience it. You feel it. It goes right through you. Father, in Jesus' name, I want to thank you for this time that you've given us to be together today. I pray that by the power of your Spirit that you will touch the hearts and lives of every person in the sound of my voice, that you would help us, Father, to never lose the excitement and, and that part of our lives that wonders at the presence of Jesus, wonders at the resurrection, wonders at the gift of salvation in our lives, Father, help us never to fall into complacency and apathy, but help us, Father, for our spirit to be sharpened, Father. And we thank you for our ears that you touch them and help us to hear 
and you open up our understanding father so that we can receive your word and receive the life that comes with that word father we thank you that we've we've got even with all of the circumstances of life going on around us the way they are we thank you father for this easter sunday we thank you father for all that it stands for and all that we celebrate over the resurrection of Jesus Christ, and not only the resurrection, but the ascension. And once again, we thank you, Father, that he is seated at your right hand, and he is making intercession for us. And then when he left, he sent his Holy Spirit to abide with us, the teacher, the comforter, Father. We thank you, Father, for the one that fills us to overflowing. In Christ's name we pray, amen. God bless you, family. Thank you for being with us, and once again, Happy Easter.